Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Marisa Lagos. We're several months into the new Major League Baseball season, and the new rules that went into effect this year are already having a noticeable impact on the game. Players have had to adjust to a new pitch clock, disengagement limits, and a ban on infield shifting. But the result has been games that are faster and more action-packed. It's shaking up team rosters, strategy, and expectations for what baseball can be. We'll talk with baseball experts and hear from you. Have the rule changes improved the game? Batter up. That's all coming up next after this news. This is Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in for Alexis Madrigal. Earlier this summer, I took my family to a Giants game. With two kids under age 10 and remembering how long the last game we went to had taken, I was mindful of our timing. We arrived in the first inning, found our seats, and then I took my younger kid to get a hot dog. By the time we were back in our seats, we were innings into the game. Not long after, my husband and I marveled at how quickly the seventh inning stretch had come. We realized that next time we would probably plan to get to the stadium before the first pitch. This truncated time frame is the result of new Major League Baseball rules intended to speed up a game that even some of its biggest fans acknowledged was lagging. And the league is embracing it. What if the games are just quicker? Oh, yeah. Just a bit outside. The game has changed and fans are saying, oh yeah. The old ball game has changed, and we're going to talk about the new rules this hour with two sports reporters. We're also going to see how you, our audience, is feeling about them. But first, I want to bring in my colleague, Guy Marzarati. We don't have a sports reporter here at KQED, but as one of my most sports-obsessed colleagues, I did want to check in with Guy because he always has strong feelings. Hey, Guy. Good morning. This is such a pleasure to do this. I feel like talking baseball on the radio, I should have come with some trade proposals uh, ready to run by you, but let's do it. Hey, that's a little too deep for my knowledge, okay? We're going to start high level here. As a fan, I know you grew up watching the Yankees. We won't we won't hate on you too much for that. Um, what do you think? Are you, are you digging this? Yeah, I mean, look, at the outset, I will say there was something a little sacrilegious about it, right? One of the things that makes baseball baseball is that there is no clock, right? Time just seems to stop. Uh, As the great Roger Angel wrote, baseball's time is seamless and invisible. And I do think as a fan, it's the kind of game, you know, you can put on in the background. You're cooking, you're gardening. It's kind of you're doing laundry, going about your day. It's on TV in the background, on the radio in the background. All that said, 
wow, the games are getting really long. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, it's just like really long. Per- conga lines of middle relievers, endless pitching changes. I mean, you mentioned I came up on watching Yankees-Red Sox. These games would be stretching three, three and a half hours on the regular. And I think the rule changes uh, to those effects and also beyond a uh, pitch clock have really revived uh, a lot of the action that was missing in the game, most notably the stolen base. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into that a little deeper, but it does seem that there's like a premium now again on speed, on fast base runners. Um, I mean, it's changing not just the way the game is played, but like how the players are you know, how, the, how, how everything's set up, who's going to be drafted and, and what uh, positions they're going to be put in. Yeah, and I think, look, for the purists out there, baseball has always evolved, whether you're talking about the mound changes uh, in the late 60s, the uh, introduction of the designated hitter. It's always kind of an adjusting uh, based on how the game is going. And the game was really getting to be a station-to-station thing where it was like, you know, looking for walks, for home runs. You were missing kind of the base hits, the stolen bases. And I do think you're seeing that come back. Um, I mean, the stolen base was just, that was kind of a staple, right? Growing up watching baseball, you'd have even just uh, kind of average players getting into the 20s in terms of stolen bases, and that just seemed to totally disappear from the game. And now, even, I mean, I think about the A's fans this year, right? Like, they basically deserve some kind of class action damages for what uh, ownership's been doing to them. But even A's fans have gotten to watch Asturi Ruiz, who's, I think, had up to 45 something like that stolen bases before he got hurt could have had 50 before the end of July so it's just a whole new level of action uh, that I think is being brought back to the game that's great to see as a fan all right we'll stick around for a few more minutes I do want to bring in our other guest Uh, we have Kyle Glazer here senior writer for Baseball America hey Kyle Hey, how are you guys? Great. Also with us, Jessica Kleinschmidt, multimedia broadcaster for the Oakland A's. Hey, Jessica. Hey, guys. So I'll start with you, Jessica. Do you feel like what Guy said is pretty representative of how fans are responding to this new era? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad, I'm glad he brought up SD Ruiz. He did have 43 stolen bases before he landed on the IL. So he's right behind Acuna, but he's really embracing these new rules. And he's, of course, a part of this organization who possessed the name of Ricky Henderson and is still in the same conversation and breaking some of the same historic accolades that Ricky himself set. And it's cool because even on the opposing side, you have a catcher like Shay Langeliers, who was great at finding out or seeing some of these guys stealing bags. You get to watch their pop time you get to see that excitement as well so that's two elements to the game right there and we don't know if as far as SD goes he hasn't been exposed to the bigs with the smaller bases compared to now he's still figuring himself out just getting his start in the league but even the pitch clock that I feel those error the I guess figuring it out heading into the season we knew one month in there was going to be some growth growing pains and they're figuring it out too and the pitchers I've talked to they're embracing it it's still new and it is an old school thing, just like Guy mentioned. But, you know, we talked to Bob Melvin, who had to adjust to the 2020 experimental rules, and he was pretty pro with them as well. Mark Kotze, my manager now, 17 years in the bigs, embracing those rules as well. And you mentioned, you know, the fans, we have to think about them. They have kids they have to take care of. I know you mentioned that. (laughs) And they get to tuck them in before 1030 at night sometimes. That's a beautiful thing. And even me, my in-game hits, they're a lot quicker, but I love the challenge of that. So the fans certainly are embracing it as well. And just like you said, socializing, we can't socialize as much because you go for a beer and meet up with a friend. That's three innings down. When you go back to your seats, the next thing you know, you're either down by a run, up by a run, all of that. Overall, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback. I think 
the only thing that is kind of a buzzkill is when a pitcher or a catcher or a batter gets the pitch clock violation because mm. it just seems kind of like, you know, you hear the moans and groans and you don't really know what's going on. But other than that, everybody's loving it. Yeah. Well, Kyle, before we go too deep into the rules, talk about why this is happening. Like how long were games getting to before these rules? I mean, we're talking like over three hours, right? Yeah, absolutely. So in the entire history of Major League Baseball, the average time of a nine inning game had never exceeded three hours. And then beginning in 2014, the average time of game exceeded three hours uh, in seven of eight seasons and reached an all time high in 2021. The average time of a nine inning game in 2021 was three hours and 10 minutes. So Major League Baseball was seeing this trend of games are getting longer and longer and longer. And there was also more and more dead time. You had pitchers taking longer time to deliver their pitches. You had a lot more throws over to first base. You intentionally had teams and pitchers slowing the game down to kind of disrupt the pace and the tempo. And Major League Baseball accurately realized that longer games with less action is not a sustainable business model moving forward, especially in the modern era where everyone's attention spans are way shorter. I was going to ask, is this just all because we're on our cell phones? But it's not. I mean, they really were getting insanely yeah. long. Right. I mean, and you don't even have to go back to the 50s and 60s to find times of the shorter games. Go back to just 2003. Mm. An average time of a nine-inning game was about two hours, 45 minutes. It was still under three hours as recently as 2013. But this trend was not a good one. And Major League Baseball had tried a couple of different half measures to try and speed up the game. They instituted a rule saying relief pitchers have to face three batters or pitch to the end of an inning. The idea was to kind of stop the churn of relief pitcher comes in, gets one out, gets pulled. Relief pitcher two comes in, gets one out, gets pulled again. Uh, They thought that would help speed it up. It really did not have any effect. Uh, Used to have to actually throw four balls for an intentional walk. Now you can just signal four fingers. They thought that would save some time. It didn't have a meaningful effect. So they tried this package of rules changes throughout the minors the last two seasons, saw smashing success across the board, implemented them in the majors this year, And for the first time, they are seeing a meaningful difference in game times. And within that, it's not just shorter games. There's more action in those shorter games, which is critical. Yeah. We're talking baseball and the new rules that are shaking up the game here with us. Guy Marzarati, my colleague on the politics desk, Kyle Glazer, senior writer at Baseball America, and Jessica Kleinschmidt, multimedia broadcaster for the Oakland A's. And we want to hear from you. What do you think about these new baseball rules? Are you in favor or against them? How do you think they've impacted the game? Tell us about going to a game this year. Is it different? You can call us at 866-733-6786. That is 866-733-6786. You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. And we already have some listeners writing in, love the new rules. The bigger bases have encouraged more steals, more excitement, no more shifts, helps the ball keep the helps keep the ball in play. And the best, the pitch clock. Games move quickly. Action happens. Best thing baseball has done in decades. Uh, John tweets, I'd hardly call the new rules controversial. They seem to be near universally praised. Guy, um, before we have to let you go, I mean, are you more likely to like go to a game this year? And, and, and do you agree with John? I feel like they were controversial before they started, but now it seems like people are pretty excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I'm in the average demo. I, I'd go to see baseball under any circumstances. So I, I can't, <laughs> can't I can't step in for this. You're going to a 12 hour game if yeah, it need be. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be there. So, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely uh, from a fan perspective, it's definitely seemed to to bring a lot of excitement. I do wonder, and and you know, your experts Jessica and Kyle, folks much wiser than me, would know about this. But like 
pitcher injury, I do wonder about mm-hmm. that. You know, the, you're speeding the game up. I wonder if there is any data so far on, on pitcher injuries. Uh, and then, wow, when we get to the, the playoffs and you have the pitch clock as an added element, I, I, I really feel bad for some of these closers. It's already a high-pressure environment, and then you have the, the clock going, too. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. Absolutely. Well, one listener writes, if the game speed up, I hope food service will, too. It can take forever to get a hot dog at the SF Giants game. I, I can attest to that. That was my problem when we went to this game. I think the Giants rallied like four runs while we were just standing in line. So uh, maybe the concessions will be doing something else. Um, we're going to take a short break in a minute. I want to give out the number again because we really do want to bring in our listeners. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Email us. Forum at kqed.org. Find us on social media. We're at KQED Forum. Tell us what you think of these new rules. If you've been to a game this year? Are you more likely to watch them at home? Um, And if anyone's listening streaming on the East Coast, I'm curious because I've always wondered, you know, like the games are so much later (laughs) there, how folks are are holding up. Um, We are talking baseball and the new rules. Guy Marzarati, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Marisa. Um, I'm here with Kyle Glazer, senior writer at Baseball America, and Jessica Kleinschmidt, multimedia broadcaster for the Oakland A's. And we will be right back after a short break. Uh, We're coming at you this morning talking about Major League Baseball and what is ahead with these new rule changes. Stick around. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos here today for Lexus Magical. We're talking baseball. It is summer and it is baseball season and there are new rules. I'm here with Kyle Glazer, senior writer for Baseball America, and Jessica Kleinschmidt, multimedia broadcaster for the Oakland A's. Okay, Kyle and Jessica, let's go like one by one because I feel like the pitch clock everyone knows about, but let's explain a little more and then talk about the other rule changes. So Kyle, start with that. The pitch clock, what, it, what exactly is this and how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously in other sports, there's been a clock for years. In the NFL, you have a play clock, you have to get the snap off. NBA, there's a shot clock, you have to get a shot up. Um, Baseball has not had a clock for its entire existence uh, up until this year at the Major League level. Major League Baseball instituted a clock that says a pitcher has 15 seconds to throw the ball when there's no one on base and 20 seconds to throw the ball when there are runners on base. And there was some early concern that Pitchers would be very, very rushed. Some guys like to take a little more time. Some guys, especially in big pressure situations, like to step off the mound, take a breath, really compose themselves. And there was some concern that now that there was a clock on them, um, it was just going to be too rushed. There would be a rash of injuries. There would be all these side effects. And really none of those worst-case scenarios have played out. Um, it has helped speed the game up. Uh, clock violations, uh, we can talk about this a little bit later, ha- have not been very large um, after an early season rash of them, just as players are getting used to it. Uh, there's about one violation every four games now, mm-hmm. and less than more than 60% of games don't have any violations. So um, for the most part, pitchers have adapted, and we're still seeing pitchers are delivering the ball with plenty of time left on the mound uh, through the all-star break. Uh, with runners on, the average pitch was delivered with uh, about seven and a half seconds remaining still on the clock. Uh, with bases empty, it's about six and a half seconds. Hmm. So what we've seen happen is pitchers have adapted rapidly. Violations have gone down consistently since the season began. And now it's almost become just a normal part of the pace of play, just as we consider a play clock in the NFL or a shot clock in the NBA. We don't think twice about it. Yeah. We're seeing Major League Baseball and the players, re- really they've adapted rapidly to the point now you almost don't think twice about it already. Yeah, I mean, Jessica, do you feel like there's a benefit to the pitcher or the hitter in this? Or is is, is one side helped out by this, this limit on time? Or is it kind of a wash? It, it depends on who you ask. And I think of Matt Carpenter, and he takes quite a while to get ready for his stance when he gets in the in the box. And he was happens to be in AAA during when all these were being experimented with last year, and he embraced it. So I feel it really depends on the person, but it's no different than anything else. You kind of forget that it even exists, so they're adjusting. I've talked to a couple pitchers who, and I've asked them about the injury concerns because we know these Yeah, explain that. Are, explain that for folks yes. who may not understand what we're talking about. Totally. And that was my concern heading into it. These guys have a regimen. They have a routine that they go about. Even when they have injuries, you have to build them up to a certain aspect, especially starting pitchers who, you know, gosh willing, can go at least five, six innings. But, you know, that's not the case this time around. People are dipping in the bullpen as early as possible. And we have the opener. But when it comes to building those guys up, we want to make sure we don't rush the process. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Mark Kotze about that a lot. And he's had two back surgeries when he was playing. He wants to make sure that these guys are taking their time to get back on the field. So if we 
put a time clock on that as far as the warmups are concerned. That can be a situation, especially depending on where they're at in the batting order, where they're at in the actual the actual at bat. So there was concerns about rushing that process. But it really depends on on the the situation. You could easily say that maybe you're rushing the batter a little bit too much, and you can say that you're rushing the pitcher too much. It really depends on the aspect and the scenario there. But from what I'm hearing, there's about six or seven seconds left on the pitch clock before the pitcher does his delivery. So that would show that there's plenty of time to deliver that pitch without rushing the pitcher. Yeah. I want to bring in one of our callers who wants to weigh in on this uh, clock. John in Petaluma, go ahead. Hey, uh, I am going to just point out the fact that there really isn't any clock in baseball that that has to do with the end of the game, that, that determines the outcome of the game. You still need 27 outs. What the baseball gurus, the wizards up there, kind of figured out was it wasn't the length of games as much as the pace of games. Mm. If you have a game that's 12 to 10, it's going to take a while because it takes a long time to score 22 runs. But it's the pace of the game, and that's the beauty of the pitch clock. I think it's a brilliant idea and has really, really made a difference. But you still need 27 out. <laughs> it, it just doesn't happen any other way. So that, that part of the game has remained absolutely, you know, the way that Abner Doubleday, you know, invented it. So that's my, awesome. that's my two cents. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Uh, Lisa in Brisbane, go ahead. Yeah, um, uh, Lisa, I'm a self-described gamer babe. Uh, <laughs> go Giants, go Giants. Um, yeah, I generally think the new rules have made the game more exciting. My only complaint is is that a lot of times I listen to the game on based on the radio. I listen to Crook and Kipe and Dave Fleming. Classic, and the best in the classic. Business. They are classic. And, you know, I'll be in the in the kitchen you know, washing dishes, and it's a great, it's America's pastime. It's a great thing. But because it, the pace is so much faster now, they don't have time to tell their great stories that they used to do. You know, they used to just kind of shoot the breeze and in between the action, and you would get all these great, hilarious, wonderful stories that really made the listening experience richer. Now it's like they're calling the game, they're calling the game which is great. You know, they have to call the game and I want them to call the game, but I also enjoyed their banter and we don't get as much banter. So that's my only complaint. Thank you, Lisa. I love that. Well, I mean, do you want to react to that, Jessica, as a broadcaster? Yeah. And it's funny that she mentioned that, like my in-game hits went from quite, I can tell a full on story. I can talk about my childhood, what I had for <laughs> breakfast, all the things. And now I have to make it as short and sweet as possible. Like if Lede has a new mechanical adjustment that he's making, I have to talk about that and that's it. And you're right. It kind of takes certain parts away, but same thing. We've adjusted to it. Hopefully the guy comes back once again in the, in the lineup or, you know, as far as the rotation goes, we can talk about it during the next game of the, of the series, what have you. So hopefully some of those those stories don't go away, but I'm right there with her. That's yeah. kind of like the the warm fuzzy of it all, like the Ben Scully-ness of it all and, and, and certain things like that. And sometimes, you know, you want the crowd to just tell the story itself from the reaction. So we have a little bit more of that because sometimes we just avoid talking at all costs because we know it's going to be impossible to tell the full story. So that's been an adjustment that um, I've really grown accustomed to and you want to be quick and precise, but I love the challenge of that as well. Yeah. Well, Kyle, we have one listener who wants to know how or why the MLB chose these rules to implement? 
Yeah. So again, I, I talked about how we had seen a steady rise in the time of game over the last decade or so. Um, but beyond that, as your caller alluded to, it wasn't just longer games. It was less action. Stolen bases have been dropping across Major League Baseball really for the better part of 20 years uh, or even longer. You go back to the late 80s and the stolen base leaders, Vince Coleman was stealing 100 plus bases a year. Ricky Henderson was stealing 80 plus. We got into a point where league leaders were getting 40 and that was you know the absolute high end. So stolen bases had been declining. Uh, we saw batters having a tougher and tougher time getting hits. Batting averages had gone down for a number of reasons. But what you had was this Again, this confluence of less stolen bases, less hits, less kinetic dynamic action and longer game times. And it was a bad recipe for the long term health of the sport. And so Major League Baseball across the minor leagues in both 2021 and 2022 instituted a package of experimental rules changes, among them the pitch clock, among them the rule limiting the number of times a pitcher could attempt a pickoff, among them limiting where defenders could stand on the infield and thus restricting infield shifts. And what they found when they instituted all of these rules in the minor leagues was they were having a cumulative effect of shorter games and more actions. Now, there were some other rules they tried out. They scrapped. Uh, they tried moving the mound back in an independent league. Uh, that did not have any meaningful results, so they didn't move forward with it. Um, so it was really in response to just, again, this growing trend of longer game times, less action. They tried them out in the minors for two years, adopted the ones they liked, and, and were seeing positive results and we've seen those results carry over into the majors. We talk about the average time of game being 26 minutes less. That's the exact amount of game times that were shaved off of average minor league games last year as well. We're seeing everything carry over pretty much the same way it played out in the minors. So, so Major League Baseball didn't do this blindly. They tested it in the minors last two years and really tweaked some things as well and got it to a place where they felt like they were comfortable putting them into the major league game. And so far, so good. Yeah. Well, we're getting more comments. And I know I realize we haven't sort of laid out all of the rule changes. So we talked about the pitch clock. Uh, the bags are bigger. The bases are bigger. Um, and then there's this shift rule. And so one listener writes, I love the new rules, except the limit on the shift. The game would get even more exciting if hitters learned how to hit and react to it. It adds strategy. Jessica Kleinschmidt, can you just explain what the shift rule is? It's a little confusing, I think, for folks. Totally. And heading into this, I was always kind of curious how they would measure it. But essentially what they if you look at a normal game and, and if you watch basically a Braves game prior to this season, you'd see Austin Riley, the third baseman playing right field because they would scout the batter and know where the hit could possibly go. Joey Gallo, Matt Olson, these guys really benefited from it or it didn't benefit from it because the defense would just know where these balls were going to land as far as a lefty is concerned. So, so wait, 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 go back. So the, the actual third baseman would just move over over to right field or they would put him he, in as the right he, fielder he would move into right field okay that's to, to, extreme for the yeah <laughs> totally i look up and austin riley was playing right field so these infielders what they wanted to do is they would have to be within the outer boundary of the infield when the pitcher is on the rubber essentially the infielders may not switch sides short and third stay on your side second and first day on your side. So you can't reposition the defender on the side of the infield where the batter is more likely to hit the ball so opposite of what i initially talked yeah. about so you have to be aligned properly at the time of the pitch and the 
if that doesn't happen, the opposed, the automatic ball could result um, as far as the play goes. So it's basically you want to make sure that there's two infielders on one side of the up second base and the other two on the other side. So just as they said, you know, you want hitters to adjust. Well, we want the defenders to adjust to me personally. I like this role. I hated it heading into the season for the record. Mm. Hated it. But I like how we can get more defensive web gems and, you know, and I I know Buster Posey spoke about it recently and he, before he retired, he said, I, I wouldn't mind it. You have one of the be- best defensive shortstops in Brandon Crawford. We're going to see more of his action. Maybe now that he's more experienced, that's not the case. He's not necessarily diving for balls as much as he used to. So that ultimately is why they wanted to do that is to create more action. And then, you know, there's not as many fly balls this mm. season. I've noticed those, the overall fly balls are down. There's more balls in play, which means more of the, that action and to make it more engaging and fun and fast paced. So that's ultimately why they wanted to forego the shift. Got it. Okay. So no more third baseman playing right field. <laughs> that's, yes. that's crazy. All right. One listener writes, this was the best decision ever. I've been a fan of baseball since the 60s. I once timed a pitcher who held the ball for 29 seconds repeatedly. During 80% of the game, there was nothing happening, just standing or players adjusting their equipment. Next, we need robo umps, and then it will be perfect. Let's oh. relax. Let's relax. That's rough. Okay. <laughs> Rob writes, I was absolutely against the pitch clock and the requirement to have two infielders on one side. I thought the clock would fundamentally change the game. I was wrong. The clock works and makes the game better. I still don't like the infield rule, but I can live with it. I'm really upset that the National League is now required to have a designated hitter. And we have another listener who says the designated hitter rule is an absolute abomination. Uh, Kyle Glazer, you want to take that one? What are we talking about here? Sure. So since the early 70s, Major League Baseball's two leagues had operated under different rules. The American League adopted the designated hitter. The National League did not. And aside from the shortened 2020 season due to COVID, pitchers hit in the National League. And it led to some pretty fun moments. Obviously, up in the Bay Area, we saw Madison Bumgarner, one of the best hitting pitchers of all time. When he'd go out and hit home runs, it was a little extra exciting. Mike Hampton was another prominent pitcher uh, who was a very, very good hitter as well back in the day. And as part of rules changes that Major League Baseball adopted, the National League no longer allows their pitchers to hit. Uh, the National League has a full-time designated hitter. This was one of the rules put in place, uh, and this was done last year. This wasn't put in place this year. Um, this was one of those rules where Major League Baseball, again, was seeing declining offense across the game um, for years. Batting averages were down. Strikeouts were up. Walks were up. Again, you know, le- less action, less hits, less kinetic, dynamic events happening in the field. And as part of the effort to increase the offense, they swapped out pitchers who on average hit about 130, 140 every year and replaced them with a full-time DH in the National League. And it had a little bit of an effect. We saw you know, some things tick up offensively a little bit, um, but not really a ton to move the needle league-wide. There was still a, a general decline in offense compared to 5, 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of purists have have hated the idea of a designated hitter, even the American in the American League since it was instituted. So the fact that uh, there's a designated hitter now in both leagues uh, is definitely a point of contention, especially for some old-time fans who consider the purest form of the game uh, to be when pitchers had to hit. Yeah. All right. Well, not everybody will love everything, I guess. Uh, I'm going to bring in Lily from San Francisco. Lily, go ahead. Hey, wanted to call in. I am born and raised in San Francisco, lifetime Giants fan. Um, Here's my 
two cents. Give us your hot take, Lily. (laughs) Yeah. So, listen, I get that changes sometimes need to be made. Um, There are certain things I feel like they've implemented that have been able to make the game more exciting. Um, And then there are certain things that I'm kind of like, okay, I don't love about that, but sure. And now I kind of just feel like especially my number one issue this year is the pitch clock. I feel like we are just pandering to people who are not real baseball fans. The whole point of baseball is a pastime. It's supposed to be leisurely. You're supposed to be able to show up half an hour late and it's still only the, you know, like bottom of the first. (laughs) Like what I did. And uh, yeah, missed half the game. (laughs) Exactly. And then, you know, and it's like the the tickets are expensive. So you get there and it's like, well, before we get to the seats, let's go grab a beer. Let's go grab fries, go to the bathroom. But then all of that, it's like by the time you get to the seat, you know, the game is halfway over and it's frustrating. And I feel like it's, it's just, I don't understand why we're speeding up the game. There are things that we can do to make the game more exciting, like the making the bases bigger and having more action and having more hits and things like that. Sure. Fine. But honestly, as like a real baseball fan, like someone who enjoys going there sitting down, relaxing, (laughs) taking my eyes off the game for a minute if I need to and not feeling like I missed something huge. I, it's really, honestly, it bothers me quite a bit. And again, I feel like at this point, we're pandering to people who are not real baseball fans. And I just don't get it. I honestly don't get it. Ouch. All right, Lily, we're going to leave it there. We appreciate your call. Thank you for your perspective. Uh, Kyla, Jessica, is is this something you've heard from quote unquote real fans? Um, I I feel like I get where she's coming from. But at the same time, I think the one thing that Commissioner Rob Manfred is trying to do, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred is trying to do is introduce the game to more fans. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with with her. I'm a purist. I get where she's coming from. But the way that I think he's trying to alter things is to introduce the game to a new era of fans. And like you said, like we're talking people who go on TikTok and people who liked Vines can only get a lot of information in six seconds. So I think we're trying to open it up to those fans a little bit more. That's that's just my two cents. Yeah. And as Kyle laid out, I mean, this isn't it's not like the games were staying the same, uh, you know, length and we were all getting bored. They were actually increasing in length. I want to tell folks our phone lines are almost full. So if you can't get through, please email us or uh, hit us up on social media. That's forum at kqed.org or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at KQED forum. We're talking baseball and the new rules. I'm here with Kyle Glazer, senior writer for Baseball America and Jessica Kleinschmidt, multimedia broadcaster for the Oakland A's. And yeah, we want to hear more from you. We're going to get into some of the other rules, including limits on disengagements and uh, some base stealing. I think we've got some folks who want to weigh in on the ghost runner. Uh, So stick with us. We'll be right back after a very short break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos in today for Lexus Madrigal. I am here today with two people who know way more about baseball than I do. Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, Jessica Kleinschmidt, broadcaster for the Oakland A's. And I want to bring in more of our callers. Jill and Concord, go ahead. Hi. Uh, so I have a half season of tickets to Giants games and I, I don't leave games early. And so before this year, staying to the end of games is just getting harder and harder to do with them ending around 10 trying to get to the stadium and then to the Embarcadero station to, cart bat, to catch BART back to the East Bay. Um, and so now with the new rule changes, I get home like 30 to 45 minutes earlier than I used to. So that in and of itself is a win for me. Um, and as for the gameplay itself, I was skeptical at first. Like just how I consider myself a baseball purist. But pretty early on, I was pleasantly surprised that the rules were really successful in just eliminating fluff. You know, I don't need to see batters readjusting their batting gloves and drawing things in the sand. And I don't need to see throw after throw after throw to first base to holding runners there. Like, double plays are still being turned. Hits to triple, triples alley are still happening. Home runs are still being hit. So, like, the exciting part of baseball is still there. I just, I don't need, like, the extra stuff, which is what they took away. So, all in all, in favor of these changes. Awesome. Thank Thanks for calling, Jill. I'm glad you're getting a little more sleep at those after those night games. <laughs> uh, we have a couple of comments coming in about ghost the ghost runner that gets placed on second automatically in extra innings. Tracy says, the only rule I dislike, aside from the designated hitter abomination, <laughs> got a lot of haters on that, <laughs> is the ghost runner in extra innings. It would be much better to allow ties, say, after 12 innings. I thought the biggest problem was batters stepping out of the box. And Mike in Daly City... I think you also want to weigh in on this. Go ahead. I do. Um, I like all the rule changes except for the ghost runner. And how come? And I'm offended by a possible scenario, which is bizarre. But let's just say Logan Webb or Shohei Otani or one of those Verlander-type pitchers throws a perfect game through nine innings. Mm. And then their team, it's 0-0, in other words, after nine innings. The other team doesn't give up any runs either. And then they don't score in the 10th. They come in to pitch the bottom of the 10th inning, and there's a runner on second. So they sacrifice him to third, and they hit a sacrifice fly to score him. No hits, no extra base runners, and you lose a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the history of baseball, is, it's impossible without a ghost runner to lose a perfect game. And that just offends me that that could possibly happen. Um, and I have a nickname I want to leave you with before I. Get What's cut that, off. Mike? <laughs> okay, for people who don't like the pitchcock, Google Mike Hargrove, human rain delay. 
Human range. That was his nickname because <laughs> he took like a minute or more between pitches. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, Kyle, Jessica, do either of you want to weigh in on uh, the the Ghost Runner? Yeah. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Ghost Runner? Because I'm curious your thoughts. Yeah. So I, this is the one rule that is generally reviled in terms of the rules changes that were implemented. Um, so you have to remember the history here. This was put in place during the COVID shortened 2020 season as part of the uh, health concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept it in 2021 because there were still some COVID restrictions. There were still some outbreaks they were fearful of. They kept it. In, originally, the plan was to get rid of it. Why? What, what was it COVID related? They wanted to shorter games, okay. players on the field, less time. They, they, you know, lesser exposure. They didn't want anyone out there for 16 innings. Um, there were just a lot of health and safety concerns around the game. So that was why it was there 2020 and 2021. The plan was to get rid of it, but then there was a lockout last year. And with pitchers not having enough time to get ramped up, it was only had three weeks as opposed to six. There was a lot of concern about pitcher health and arm injuries. And so they put the ghost runner back in place so that you wouldn't have these 16 inning games. And then this year in 2023, they reversed course and decided to make it permanent. Now, there will not be a ghost runner in the postseason. It's important to note that, that in the postseason, they get rid of this and you will play until someone wins the game um, without having that advantage of a runner being placed on second base to start extra innings. But if you look at the package of rules changes, they've been wildly successful. Attendance was up about 8% uh, year over year through the all-star break. 99% of fans are happy with it, as well as front office officials, uh, us in the media. It, it's made things you know better for, for a lot of people. This is the one rule, though, that kind of strikes at the heart of the core of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that you will find generally the most distaste for. The problem is front offices have become so in favor of it because they see less risk of pitcher injury. And they feel like this is something that benefits them and their team's long-term health. So they are pushing for it. They are in favor of it. And the owners who don't want to risk their $100 million plus investments in their pitchers uh, any more than anyone else, they're in favor of it too. So unfortunately, it looks like this is here to stay because owners and teams are in favor of it, even though fans are overwhelmingly against it. Yeah. Jessica, you want to weigh in on that at all? Um, I, I'm right there with him. It, I definitely don't love it to the point where I forget about it. It's very little league to me. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Very, it's very like, <laughs> let's put orange slices in our mouth vibes to me. Um, but I, and I also, but I get it too, to the point where I forget that it even exists. I'll look up and I'm like, Oh, right. We have somebody starting on second. And, um, and I'm very, I love that they're not adopting it for the postseason Cause that's, it's definitely one of those scenarios where if that's the game changer, I could see people being very much up in arms about it, but I understand, I understand to a certain aspect, just like you said, the monetary value that these guys are attached to is certainly something that the front offices are going to be paying attention to. My personal preference, not a fan. Yeah. All right. Well, one other rule we haven't even talked about is the limits on disengagements. Uh, who wants to take that one? Kyle, go ahead. You're better at that. <laughs> no worries. So as part of the package of rules changes, Major League Baseball limited the number of times the pitcher can step off the mound to twice per plate appearance. And the reason for this was, as one of your callers talked about, we were having a lot of issues where guys would just step off and throw over to first base, you know, five, six, seven times in a row. And sometimes they were doing it not even because they were trying to pick a batter off. They were trying to give the guy in the bullpen more time to warm up. And you just have this this dead time that no one was getting anything out of. And They're filibustering, caused, basically. Essentially, <laughs> essentially, yes. 
So what Major League Baseball did was that the, an important tie-in with this too was the pitch clock. Major League Baseball had experimented with pitch clocks in the minor leagues dating back to 2015, but those early pitch clocks weren't shortening games. And the reason was pitchers could just step off as many times as they wanted and reset the clock. Um, so Major League Baseball saw a chance to kill two birds with one stone and say, we're going to limit the number of pickoffs to twice per plate appearance. And that will force the pitchers to abide by the pitch clock. They can't just keep stepping off over and over and over to reset it. And on top of that, it's going to eliminate the dead time. And then the third factor that they predicted would happen and did was it encouraged runners to be more aggressive in stealing bases. That's one of the most exciting mm -hmm. plays in baseball. And as we talked about, stolen bases were declining rapidly over the better part of the last 20, 30 years. And what we've seen now with this pick limit, uh, pickoff limit um, or disengagement limit is stolen base attempts are up. They've gone up from 1.2 per game uh, two years ago to 1.8 per game. Stolen base success rates have gone up from about 75% to close to 80%. Uh, it, it's And the number of pickoffs per game has dropped uh, from about six to five. So we're seeing more stolen base attempts, more stolen base successes, fewer pickoff attempts. And again, it ties into the pitch clock and forces pitchers to actually abide by it, not just step off over and over. So it was a rule designed to kind of you know do a couple different things, and it's really been successful in all of them. And does that, I mean, that's got to also kind of coincide the more attempts at stealing bases with the bigger bags as well, because it's slight, they're slightly closer, essentially, right? Yeah, so the bag size increased from 15 inches square to 18 inches square, and obviously larger bags mean shorter distances between the two bases. Um, we kind of isolated to see how much of effect that had in the minor leagues on stolen bases. And it wasn't as large as the disengagement rule itself, where the larger bases have really made a difference is fewer collisions around the back and less injuries. So, so it does encourage more ceiling a little bit, but not to the degree the pure disengagement rule has. Got it. We're talking baseball and the new rules. We've got a lot of listener comments and calls. Michael tweets, the new rules are gimmicky. This is the first year since 86. I haven't been to an ace game at all, not counting COVID lockdown. The big mistake MLB made was when they ditched the home and home series with every league's team. We watched four games a year against the teams of our youth. Now that has become two. And Scott says, I don't like any of this new rule stuff. The reason I love going to baseball games is precisely because I could sit outside in the open air for four hours, eat a hot dog, buy a beer, catch a ball, and interact with fans. It was a communal thing, and you were mentally prepared to spend your entire day doing it. The thing that made baseball beautiful compared to the NFL and NBA was that there was no concept of time. That's actually in all caps. We lived through 100-plus years of indelible memories. Hank Aaron, Kirk Gibbons, et cetera, et cetera. We don't need any of these rules to enjoy them. And Tamara says the two worst new rule changes are the ghost runner rule and not making pitchers bat. There's no fear of getting beaned. There are no other guardrails limiting intentionally hitting a batter. I'd like to know how many batters have been hit and also hit and seriously injured this season in comparison to recent past years in the National League. Kyle, is that something you've tracked at all? Um, I, I, I actually <laughs> want to let Justin take this one. I feel like I've taken the last few questions, but, but I will say just, yeah, yeah. Jessica, why don't you go ahead with this one? I haven't heard anything of, of that nature, um, but I think I can understand when people are talking about, you know, pitchers not hitting. I can understand that to a certain extent. It's usually going to be a National League fan of a team that is very much anti-universal DH. And um, but I haven't I haven't yeah. heard anything of that regard. No. 
I mean, Jessica, sticking with you also, like we talked earlier that, you know, the the pitch clock, there's it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of whether it can benefit, you know, the pitcher or the hitter. But is there any other like who's benefiting from this? I know we kind of alluded to this idea that earlier that some, you know, some things that maybe weren't as valued under the old rules are like being a fast runner, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I was thinking about that as far as, you know, we were talking about with Rob Manfred, he, he's really thinking about the fans in this regard. Mm-hmm. And um, when I'm when I'm hearing from fans, that's who I'm, I'm majorly going to go toward is how you're embracing all of this. And for me, you know, I know we had a caller talking about we can do without the pitcher adjusting their batting gloves, we can do without the pitcher throwing back to first base, what have you. And I understand the disengagement. And it's for me, just talking with these players every single day and they have their routine, that's what they had to adjust to. So I feel like the benefit actually will go at the far as this, the overall pitch clock will go toward the fans. But it sounds like, you know, these guys, and I've talked to former pitchers about this, uh, Dallas Braden, who of course is one of the A's analysts and a former pitcher for the Oakland A's through that perfect game. He said that it's no different for any other adjustment mm-hmm. these guys have made, whether it's the pitch clock or an injury or, you know, over time having to adjust with the media or having to adjust with everything going on social media and these new rules and then how they deal with their bodies and the new technology out, how they're able to better their swings and those types of things. So I don't know if it's better or worse necessarily for anybody as far as the pitch clock goes, just from what I'm hearing from what they're telling me, or they're just saying it is what it is. This is what we're adjusting to. Um, and you can, you know, pick and choose and it's still, I guess, experiment, I guess we can't call it an experiment. because <laughs> It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening, but it's just one of those things that they have to adjust to. But overall, I think the big picture was how are fans going to embrace it? And there's obviously a lot of people who would rather stay all day at a baseball game. And I totally understand that. Um, cause at the end of the day, I was born a baseball fan myself and the coverage is different, but I think that's ultimately what Manfred and his mind had thought. Totally. All right. I want to bring in William and Santa Clara for another perspective. Go ahead, William. Hi. Uh, yeah. Thank you for taking my call. So I would like to say that I was one of the biggest, baseball purists and every rule that came out I just thought you know I'm done with baseball but recently I graduated from USF sports management and what they really show is that baseball like anything is a business and they have to cater towards a changing demographic and I think you know to be called a purist what is it really we're just nostalgia for what we wanted as a kid and what we remember as a kid and my favorite players as a kid. And now what it changes, it sort of feels like that nostalgia is changing. But for my daughter, who's three and my son, who's 18 months, this is what they're going to know. And so to be called a baseball purist, these rules are going to be in place their entire life. And I think we just have to remember that, you know, baseball needs to survive. And in order to survive, they're going to need to make changes that we don't necessarily like at times. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it. All right. We've got, I think, time for at least one more caller. Dan's got a question. And El Cerrito, go ahead. Hey, good morning. Uh, Ghost Runner should be called Ghost Rider, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, and I hope Manfred's really here for the fans uh, of Oakland, of the Oakland A's uh, as well. But I'm calling just regarding the pitch com 
Um, I'm really a fan of uh, the movies we've seen at Sandlot and, and uh, Field of Dreams and everything else. You see them put the fingers down there to give the pitch, uh, what kind of pitch and where it's supposed to be. And I don't like uh, pitch comp very much. And I think that's been a bit of a bugaboo. Can you guys speak to that? And how does it affect younger sports like high school sports where the rule just been allowed to use that kind of technology? Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Jessica, what do you think? I think they're they're embracing it too. I know they definitely were and pitchcom essentially is a technology to help submit the between the pitcher and the catcher the technology of what uh signs to give because just like he said, we're used to the the one finger down, the two finger down. I, I think they're all embracing it. Same thing. We're all they're all adjusting and they're doing what they can. The old school guys, from what I first heard at the beginning. And I think there was a story about Zach Granke's on the Royals veteran pitcher. He didn't like it at the beginning. And I will say there has been some bugaboos, just as the caller said, technology wise, because sometimes they can't hear it over the crowd. They can't, you know, feel it over the crowd. So those things have been something that I know they would work on overall. Same thing. I think I've heard pretty good things um, from both catchers and pitchers. Yeah. Well, just a few minutes left. Um, uh, Kyle Glazer, what are you kind of watching as the season progresses? Do you think any of these rules will be revisited for next year? They've been such smashing successes. I don't think we'll see anything significantly altered. One of the things that has come up, uh, Major League Baseball president, or excuse me, Major League Baseball um, uh, Players Association Executive Director Tony Clark has talked about some players have voiced a desire to add a few more seconds to the pitch clock in the postseason for those big moments where bases loaded, full count, bottom of the ninth, game seven, mm. pitcher might want to take a breath and right. just kind of calm his nerves a little bit. The batter might want to step out, take a breath, calm his nerves a little bit. And th- there is some concern amongst players that in a big situation, they're not going to be able to do that. And no one wants to see a, a game or a series or in a-, a team season decided by a pitch clock violation, where instead of getting that big dramatic moment where the pitch is delivered, instead it's an automatic ball and the winning run walks home. No one wants to see that. So that is a concern the players have voiced. Um, Commissioner Rob Manfred said he does not necessarily see a reason to alter it, especially considering pitchers are delivering the ball with between six and a half to seven and a half seconds remaining on the pitch clock on average. So clearly they have enough time still. Yeah. He has said he is open to having those discussions. So I think if we see any changes, that would be it. Maybe a few extra seconds are added to the pitch clock for the postseason. But in terms of regular season moving forward, these changes are here to stay. I don't see them meaningfully being altered anytime in the near future. All right. We're going to leave it there. We've been talking baseball, the new rules in MLB with Kyle Glazer, senior writer for Baseball America, and Jessica Kleinschmidt, multimedia broadcaster for the Oakland A's. Thank you both so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. Earlier, we heard from my colleague Guy Marzarati, reporter and producer for our California Politics and Government Desk here at KQED. And this is Friday. The 9 a.m. Hour of Forum is produced by Blanca Torres, Grace Wan, Jennifer Ng, and Juan Carlos Lara. Our interns are Jericho Reininger and Amiko Oda. Marlena Jackson-Rotondo is our engagement producer. Francesca Fenzi is our digital community producer. Judy Campbell is lead producer, and our engineers are Danny Bringer and Brendan Willard. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Marisa Lagos, in today and yesterday for Alexis Madrigal. Get to the ballpark and 
Stay tuned for another hour forum first ahead with me and Kim. Have a great weekend. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.